Hello everyone and welcome to episode 40 of the Stage of Place podcast. If you're new here to the Stage of Place, then let me tell you what this podcast has in store for you. My name is Elliot and every episode I have the pleasure in interviewing creatives from our theatre industry. So whether that's the writing, directing, producing, designing, costume, digital marketing or stage management, you'll find creatives from one of these roles interviewed here on the Stagey Place. This week on the podcast, you get to hear my chat with designer Luke W. Robson, a designer for TV and film, opera, immersive productions and theatre. Luke is currently working on Wildcard Theatre's The Tempest, which is about to start playing at the Pleasance Theatre in London, where Luke is set and costume designer. I had a fantastic chat with Luke recently, where we spoke about his journey into this industry, as well as The Tempest, his advice for young creatives, and just like in every other episode, we get to find out where Luke's very own stagey place is. And let me tell you, it's a sentimental one that I absolutely loved hearing the reasons behind it. So stay tuned to the final question on this week's episode to hear Luke's response. So without any further delay, here is my chat with Luke W. Robson, and I'll see you on the other side. Enjoy. Hello, Luke. Welcome to the Stage Place. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I sat at home with COVID feeling okay. We were just saying before the recording how you do have a great team. We're going to be talking today about The Tempest, which is part of Wildcard Theatre, and it's going to the Pleasance. You were saying that you've got a great team of wardrobe supervisors and people doing costume fittings, and we'll be helping you along the way. So what's it like being the person at home, but actually having people in the room being able to help you create your vision for the show? Yeah. It's going really well, actually. I mean, it seems to be working. I mean, I guess what's also really helpful is that uh, me and James, the director, we've been kind of talking about this show in 2018. So we've kind of, we've sort of been discussing it for such a long time that I guess that helps because we've we've already solved a lot of the problems. We've kind of already had a whole bunch of ideas before the kind of pre-production process started. So I'm just being sent photos of what people look like and it all looks all right so far. So yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> That's great. And obviously we'll be talking more about The Tempest later on in today's episode. But what I like to do, Luke, is to find out from our guests how they actually got into this industry. What was the trajectory for you coming into the performing arts industry I had a, a little bit of a, originally I wanted to be a filmmaker and then I worked out but I was I did I did art at, at school and stuff and I worked out that I could sort of do more filmmaking on an art degree than I could on a filmmaking degree and I loved it I love making art and sculpture and kind of painting and stuff I did fine art at uni I was passionate about art passionate about film but I kind of for theatre wasn't really something I'd ever really thought about and when I got to uni I discovered in the first week that there was no film society which is kind of the thing that I thought was going to be got a big part part of my time at uni so I joined theatre because it was the next I sort of saw it as the next closest thing that was me starting designing for theatre really and that was and that really as much as anything that was because nobody else wanted to do it so there was loads of actors and there was quite a few directors uh, and there was nobody that wanted to build the set so I kind of got the pick of the shows at uni and and I saw it was studying in Newcastle so I got it was it was kind of a fantastic city and it was sort of big enough to have a a couple of really nice theatres but not so big that those places felt inaccessible or that that you like competing with thousands of other people so so I was kind of really fortunate in that I got a couple of sort of professional design jobs on the back of 
doing student shows. So live theatre, which is down by the quayside in Newcastle, the producers there saw some work that I'd done as a student and then got me in to design some smaller productions for them. So I kind of just sort of fell into it, really. I did, after I graduated, I did a year at the Royal Shakespeare Company. It gave me that kind of grounding in actually learning proper processes. And, you know, it was, I suppose it was almost like doing a master's in that sense. And I think actually if I hadn't have done that job, I think I probably would have done a master's because there was huge gaps in my knowledge that not studying set design had first model box I ever made was was the wrong scale I mean it was it was to a it was to scale it was to a scale but it was not not a scale that, that the industry recognizes as, as being a help you know it was it was massive it was like one to ten scale <laughs> so blowing that up onto a stage would have been quite different to how you would have uh, expected it to look like oh, it would have been operatic in scale I mean it would, yeah. been, it would have been like the Olympics opening ceremony it would have been absolutely yeah. would have been enormous <laughs> yeah um, doing a stadium tour rather than a mid-scale theatre yeah. show <laughs> yeah and actually yeah. looking at your website I've seen that you've done so much in terms of of immersive you've done tv and film you've done a bit of theater you've done a bit of opera you've done so much in all the art forms in the industry for you as a designer what art form do you have the most creativity and the most freedom on when you're working with tv and film is it very specific what company you're working for they want to do exactly this and they want everything to look like this and to look like that like do you have more freedom in one art form more than the other I guess it's, it's kind of broad strokes answer certainly from my experience I've really hated working on film in the sense that I've found exactly what, what you described which is in general you're sort of there to do a job and you're there to picking the wallpaper right so you just you're there mm. just to like get to source things and get things done and get things ready to shoot and it's all kind of quite fast and, and yeah it just doesn't I, I find that the least raw and creatively in terms of the collaboration yeah. I mean I think theatre in general is, is way more collaborative than, than film at least from my experience and I think that I love working on musicals I love working on gig theatre and I've done a bit of work in opera and I've loved that as well so I suppose mm-hmm. those are the areas I think there's something about like bold visuals and a storytelling through design and this idea of kind of design their process that I think is really exciting and I think immersive theatre is the other one as well so before the pandemic here I was working for Secret Cinema so I was working on the China transfer of Casino Royale and that was pretty amazing I mean that was like it felt like immersive theatre really puts design at the forefront yeah and while while we were out there we would heard rumours of coronavirus but we were like oh I don't think it's gonna reach to Shanghai like I don't don't think it'll be a problem I think it'll be fine yeah yeah um, but yeah so I think in answer to your question I think I think musicals immersive theatre and opera I mean opera is the big I don't think there's like there's not many designers that wouldn't take the opportunity to design those big kind of European operas it's like having the biggest Lego set in the world to make something crazy and cool with yeah yeah of course and so moving on to wildcard theatre you're a resident designer actually for wildcard theatre and like we said at the top of this episode you are currently the set and costume designer for The Tempest which is happening at the Pleasance Theatre very very soon can you tell me a little bit about the production because actually from what I've seen so far through the marketing and through the videos and everything that the Pleasants have put out it seems like it's going to be production like no other and it looks very 
very immersive and very much unlike any other adaption of Shakespeare we've seen. So can you tell me a little bit about the production when you first got involved with the show and what audiences can expect during the production? Yeah, I mean, I love that you got that impression from the stuff from the marketing material and stuff that's been put out there. I mean, Tempest is a, is a really interesting one. For example, like the poster for the show, which you might have seen. So I've designed that yeah. poster. So I do bits of graphic design work on the side. That's incredible. Like, you know, like yeah. basically a money job. But there's sometimes a nice moment when you can design the poster for a show and then that kind of like mm. sets out your template, right, for the design. It sets yeah. out like, this yeah. is what we're about. This is what we're going to do. And actually, I found that like it's really helped in the conversations I've had performers and with other members of the creative team because I can kind of just like keep bringing up the poster on my laptop. I mean, whether or not we ever get to that level of bold colours and crazy face paint and all that other stuff, yeah. I don't know. But at least it gives us a kind of a thing to work from. The concept for the show it's kind of drawing on really whole festival aesthetics i suppose like burning man festival is, is the big yeah. one and then there's also like elements of fire festival as well you know these things aren't like reference like overly explicitly i don't think but like the fire festival one's great because it's like you know these kind of vacuous people that are stranded yeah. on an island everything goes wrong like that's fire festival also my old tutor uni said you know always be influenced by things that aren't in the genre that you're working so if you're making art be influenced by film or music or whatever else and, and I think this show for me it's cinematic references so it's like you know we're, we're trying to do Mad Max and James the director you know he's, he's a big gamer so which yeah. is a world I know nothing about but actually it's, okay. it's kind of there's a rich mine of visuals to be drawn from computer games that's what we're trying to do and it's a bit of a hybrid I mean it's a gig theatre show so it's already gig mushed together but there's also I think the festival vibe that I think I'm really interested in exploring uh, and actually it's interesting you mentioned immersive because an earlier incarnation of this idea was to do it as an immersive shirt that maybe eventually at some point in the future perhaps it might be that but certainly from a design perspective like ambition is to design it as if it's an immersive shirt and when did you first get involved in the production itself yeah i think it was 2018 and it's kind of changed forms a couple of times it's been pushed back because of the pandemic but actually that's a good thing because it's it's just given us more time to think about it a poster that i was talking about early yeah. you know first started work on that like two years ago and then like every now and again i just sort of like open up my laptop and just faff about with it you know hopefully there's a kind of richness that happens simply because we've all had time on our hands yeah to kind of, yeah. kind of faff about with it <laughs> yeah and I must say because I've been talking to a lot of people recently and I've been working with graphic designers for posters as well recently and saying how much that poster for The Tempest celebrates what the show may be about and actually it really does show that people can be sold by a production based on a poster. I definitely feel that way whenever I go and see some shows or I see what's online, whether or not that's on the fringe stages, mainly on fringe theatre actually, where mm -hmm. I look at a poster and I go, they've clearly thought about what they want to showcase and how they want to publicise this show. The poster for Tempest looks absolutely fantastic. Mm. So it's so lovely to know that also you worked on that poster and produced that poster. And also the fact that you've produced that poster and is also now designing that show, it means that you can really kind of, like you say, even though it may not be completely as to what the poster may be, there is this idea of what the show can be based on that poster itself. Yeah, visual world building, visual storytelling, is that's the thing that I'm really interested in. It's trying to find projects that allow 
for that to happen because sometimes the, the machine is of a production is so big things are already set up in place and you can't necessarily influence what the whole show feels like and I think like, for me I know that it is a bit of a tangential a bit like my path into the industry it's a bit of a bit of a weird process because like I'm obsessed with fonts right so I'm obsessed with typography and sometimes I'll know what typography a show feels like before I'll know what the set and costume <laughs> looks like and it's and it's it's fortuitous when that can actually help the production as opposed to me just knowing what the font is yeah well look you were just saying there and with and with how you got involved in the production yeah this does move on to my next question about how things change throughout the process so like you were saying there you started working on this or started having talks about the tempest back in 2018 and obviously then since you've had the pandemic obviously that's allowed the production to settle a little bit and you've had more time to think about what you want to do with the production let's talk about the tempest or any other project that you have when you have those initial ideas about what you want to have on stage how many of those ideas would you say actually stick through to the final product of what the audience is seeing and what for you changes the most from the start to the end of the process of putting on a production it's an interesting question I, I think that a lot of what you hope ends up in a show does end up in a show whether it looks as good as it looks in your head or it doesn't in your design drawings I think that's the only thing the design is kind of perfect when you've drawn it or at least you know, think it's perfect I think things do change and I think you have to be really adaptable for things to change in rehearsals. I describe it as like you find out what your base for the show is. So you find out what your materials are, what your colours are and what your almost like these building blocks of what the production is. Exactly what configuration those blocks end up settling in. That's a fun thing to discover during the process. But I think the bit that you never really want to get wrong is what those fundamental building blocks are. So for, so for example, like first shows I ever did was a Christmas show it was like a Christmas rom-com all about snow and like the magical quality. And I was just a bit, it was going to be really corny and it was going to be like a Santa's yeah. grotto. What we ended up doing was using paper. So paper became the key material. Everything was going to be made yeah. out of paper. So we had like 150 hanging paper lanterns and then we had a wow. huge sheet of paper at the back of the stage that was lists and projected onto and stuff. It was kind of perfect because there was a bit in the play about oh, how every, every snowflake is different, but they all start off exactly the same and it's only their, it's their journey through the atmosphere that makes them different it sort of worked that every piece of paper starts out life exactly the same but no two crumpled pieces of paper are the same and that that kind of thought carried us through the whole show so yeah paper and with white the form felt right at the beginning and then it still felt right at the end even yeah. if it how we used it changed slightly during the process no that's fantastic to hear and actually yeah like, like you say yeah you've got those building blocks which you hope continue and like you said there with the paper you had this idea that you wanted to use it and it still got used in the end maybe not as exactly how you expect but you know really does showcase that you have those materials and that palette that color palette that you hope mm. goes through to the final product so Luke if there are listeners out there who want to become a set or a costume designer or any sort of designer within the arts what advice would you actually have for them coming into the industry, whether or not that's, you know, a course that you may have seen that people may want to be interested in or just something that maybe even you would have told a younger Luke about having, you know, worked on the productions that you've worked on now? What's the one main piece of advice you would give? 
I think that, so the, yeah, so a couple of things. I think you've got to follow stuff that you're interested in, you're passionate about. So I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day about how it becomes difficult because you realise you've never ever made a choice to start your career. Like I never, I never, there was never, there was never a moment when I started to have a career. I just did stuff because I enjoyed it. And yeah. then sort of randomly people started paying me to do it. I think that can cause problems further down the line because you realise it's not necessarily very healthy for your hobby to be your job. Yeah. But I think there's something in that, which is you follow the things that you're interested in and follow the stuff that you're kind of passionate about. I mean, there's a couple of things like, for example, I did two weeks work experience at the National Theatre. That was fantastic and that was free and that and was really, really useful. So I think if they're still running then, I think that's really beneficial. I did work experience at the National Film Television School as well. And then the other thing is just doing it. I mean, the thing that has always helped me is the fact that I've got body of work to refer back to. And that just was from yeah. doing shows with like £200 budget and some of them, you know, some, one of them had a £50 budget. But at least you then get used to them hustling for how to make things on the cheap and, and building things yourself you know getting stuck in and, and making stuff and I guess maybe do a degree I mean most designers I, I, pretty much every designer I know has done an undergraduate or a master's I think probably that is the, the way to do it yeah you were saying that at the beginning of that answer about how you know you just kind of keep going and you don't really think about you know because there is a bit of a burnout if we keep going and we keep working and like you say you know you keep working and then suddenly somebody will pay you for it and then you'll just get loads of projects together that you've worked on and then you won't realize when to stop or when to take a break and I think you know because I work as a freelancer as well how I've really had to tell myself this year that I need to take breaks at a certain point and not to just jump on the next thing that is you know happening in like three weeks time and they want rehearsals and stuff and then you're just like yeah sure I'll do that as well because I'm not working over that sort of period where actually I think mental health wise that we take breaks and I think that's probably what you were trying to touch upon at the beginning of that answer mm. the fact that we can just keep working and then get paid for it and then the fact that we like being paid for it means we'll just keep working and keep working and keep working and then not realize when we need to actually settle down and breathe a bit to then revive ourselves and then get back out there yeah, and it's being strategic as well. Like, but what I would say is that when you, I feel like an old man saying this, but like I now, the idea of doing like really, really, like, I mean, this the Tempest is, is, you know, we're trying to do something ambitious with, with what we've got available. Like, yeah, I'm quite exhausted by work at the moment. And I think that, but I didn't, a couple, you know, when I, when I first started, I wasn't exhausted. I just kind of did it and I, you know, was screwing and, and cutting and, you know, and I think you've got to, you've got to ride that way. You've got to be careful about it, but I think you've got to ride it to mm. begin with. Also, those are the people that you meet that, in theory, are then going to give you the better jobs, you know, down the line. Like, I have no presence on Twitter or Instagram mm -hmm. or anything. Every, all the work I've got has either been got from applying for yeah. or through people I've worked with in the past. So it does sort of feed itself once it gets going a little sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, and it's great to talk about that. And also, you were just touching upon there about not having any socials and actually applying for stuff. Recently, I've been working with people who I've worked with in the early stages of my career as well. And it just seems to be that they are the people that you really want to hold on to because they will keep coming back and giving you jobs or giving you references for other people because 
actually, even though I have social media, I don't really use it to venture out and look for jobs. You know, I try to do it through applying for jobs as well. So it is really important to keep those relationships that you have in your early career. Luke, it's been absolutely fantastic to talk about that and actually to talk about The Tempest as well and how these sorts of bits and bobs and this immersive idea and this fire festival and Burning Man may also be a little of a starting board and creative vision for the show it's been absolutely fantastic to talk about it in the sense of tempest we're going to move on to our final question though luke before we finish off this podcast and it's actually the title of our podcast the stagey place and what i like to know from all of our guests because it's always so varied where their stagey place may be i want to know luke where your stagey place is so this could be a theater which you've grown up with it could be your local theater it could be a theater that you've worked at it could be a tv studio a film studio it could be stage at the opera it could be in the uk it could be out of the uk it could just be either somewhere that you feel the most creative and really feel the vision of theatre or the art form in itself. So for you, Luke, whereabouts is your stagey place? I think it's probably not a theatre because I don't know. I don't know if I've ever felt completely comfortable in the theatre. It, it, it still it always feels like an outsider. Maybe maybe everybody feels like that. I don't know. Maybe that's normal. Mm. I had to write something recently for a job application where it was kind of this question. When I was really small at primary school, at the end of every year, they shut off one of the classrooms and yeah. turned it into a grotto. But you didn't know that it was happening. It just, you just like the doors were shut. And then you just like all this incredible grotto was just yeah. my, my memory is a little hazy on it because in my head it yeah. was like a full on, you know, punch drunk style immersive <laughs> yeah. set design. I think in reality it probably wasn't. I think it might have just been made out of like cardboard and like this weird, like sort of foamy, felt like maybe yeah. it was like asbestos lining or something that they'd, that they'd okay. like lined the corridor with. I've got such a clear but vague memory of that space. And I think I kind of I kind of returned to it because it's just like the thrill of walking through that little corridor with wobbly cardboard was quite magical. And that was I think that there was storytelling in that even before yeah. you met. I mean, I think there was like a Father Christmas, like around you sort of turned the corner and then then you met Father Christmas. And I remember sort of a bit that bit was quite underwhelming. But the, as you first <laughs> entered and, the, the, and like this kind of wibbly corridor to get to that yeah. point, that's what it was all about. And I, I think maybe I'm just building up to making my own Santa's Grotto. I think maybe that's the kind of the end goal. That... Yeah. And actually, I think, you know, more or less, I guess that was to do with the children's imagination and, you know, letting your imagination run wild. And it's so lovely to hear that you had that experience. But it was also that the other bit about it that I think is, is theatrical and is like pure theatre is the fact that we knew that that was our classroom that was our that was <laughs> yeah. our, this tiny little classroom that was we was that felt so familiar and then five hours later it was this incredible Santa's Grotto and that I think is what I love about working in theatre which is you you sit there and unlike film where everything's you're meant to buy into the idea that everything's real and is always lived there I mean even if it's Earth or, or you know or a sci-fi film you know what you're looking at is meant to exist yeah whereas theatre you sit in the audience and you and you know somebody built that two weeks ago or a month ago and yeah. that I think is the exciting thing and also you know that it's not going to be there in, in a couple of months time that something else yeah. is going to be in its place in the same way as I knew that that classroom will go back to being a classroom the moment the end of term came around so I think it sort of is theatrical even if, even if it 
it's not a theatre space. No, no, absolutely. And it's a perfect answer as well. It still captures that memory that you had when you were a child, which mm. is fantastic. Mm. And mm. Luke, I'm afraid that also brings us to the end of our podcast today. It's been absolutely fantastic chatting with you and chatting about The Tempest and how you got involved in this industry and talking a little bit about your advice for younger listeners and then also to talk about your stage of place, which is that classroom which was then makeshift into a Santa's Grotto within the amount of hours and it still captured your imagination walking through those cardboard corridors and that was absolutely fantastic. But Luke, thank you so much for coming on to this stage of place. It's been an absolute joy to have you today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And there we go. That was my interview with Luke W. Robson, who is currently the set and costume designer on Wildcard Theatre's The Tempest, which is playing at the Pleasance Theatre from the 11th of March until the 3rd of April. I would love to thank Luke so much for coming onto the podcast. And if you, the listener, would like to go and watch The Tempest, you can book tickets right now from the Pleasance Theatre. We'll put all the links of where to book your tickets in our Twitter and Instagram posts, all relating to this episode. There will also be a link in the show notes below. So if you're interested in getting a ticket, make sure you click that link. So that rounds off episode 40 of the Stage Your Place podcast. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. So until next time, keep safe and stay stagey.